3: Welcome to Buckets. I am your host, Brandon Anderson. I'm here with Joe DeLera. We are here to bring you a little March Madness NBA crossover episode. If you're watching on video, I've got my March Madness shirt on. (laughs) Joe's got his Yankees hat, it's all right. We're not all perfect. Today for this episode, as always, sponsored by FanDuel, Joe and I are the NBA selection committee. So it is March Madness, it's bracket season. Every podcast you listen to is doing some version of a bracket. So we don't want to miss out. We today are going to make the NBA bracket. We're going to create the NBA playoffs. 16 teams playing is out. So we're just down to 16. But we're going to do this like if it was the NCAA. So rather than divisions and tiebreakers and all of that wonky stuff, we're going to do this the good old-fashioned way, completely subjectively. We're going to look at everything we've seen so far and then just decide you're the one seed, you're the two seed, all the way on down to 16. We'll have some actionable takeaways along the way. We'll do some debating. Joe and I have not talked really about this before. We're going to just do this live here for you. So (laughs) that's the plan today. Joe, are you enjoying March Madness? Who's your pick to win the whole thing?
1: So I, I did two brackets this year. I tried to only do one, but I, I had to do two. I have Houston winning in one and I have Alabama winning in the other. So oh,
3: very real, creative, a little,
1: little chalky, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, they, they seem to be the best teams.
3: <laughs> well, the good news for you is as when, when folks listen to this, both those teams will still be alive heading into Friday night. My yeah. bracket selection is UConn who might be out by the time that folks listen to this. I'm excited to watch some college basketball. man. Flipping back from opening round and and round of 32 to then watching some NBA this week. Like I'm watching, we're, we're recording Thursday. I watched the Mavs-Warriors game last night. Whew, that is a different brand of basketball. That is a, a just well-oiled machine on both sides, hitting every open jumper. It's a beautiful thing, Joe, to get back to the way basketball is supposed to look.
1: Hey, you know, it's it's nice to watch some good ball.
3: It it is. It's nice to watch some one and done craziness and buzzer beaters and throwing the ball away with three seconds left to play. But it's nice to watch some good basketball, too. All right. Let's get to our bracket here. So, again, the deal is we are the NBA selection committee. There's just the two of us. So we're going to have to fight it out if we disagree here. We're just going to choose top to bottom. We're going to pick our number one seed and then go on down the bracket from there. East and West are all going together here. We're just making one big bracket. So hopefully that will give us some interesting matchups. We even talked about, yeah, we're we going by win-loss record. Are we going by net rating or SRS or head-to-head record? Or I've got some other kind of fun stats along the way here for some of these teams we'll throw in. Does recency play in? Do injuries matter? Uh, for that matter, uh, I'm thinking, Joe, that we're, we're basically planning this for the start of the playoffs to be at their usual time. So we're not yes. factoring in pretend rosters. We've got to go with the information that what we know today on Kevin Durant and Paul George, Zion Williamson, et cetera, or what we don't know today and in a lot of those guys' cases. So start at the top. How many teams, Joe, would you be considering for your number one overall seed?
1: There are three, maybe four. Okay. That's considering For overall number one.
3: So I'm going to say your three, maybe four are, I'm not sure which are the maybes, but I'm going to say these are three East teams and then Denver. Is that your three, maybe four?
1: That's exactly what it is.
3: (laughs) Okay. So I sort of feel like there's really just two here. And I think you maybe think that as well. I I think the three, maybe four is about how I have this set up and we'll get to the maybe part. But do you agree that even within your group, Milwaukee and Boston, one or the other, probably has to actually be number one. Or do we we need to get to one of the other teams in there?
1: I tentatively have Milwaukee as number one.
3: Okay. So right now, Milwaukee is at 52 wins. Obviously, these are all going to be tight and could change some of these by the time that you listen. So some of the numbers for Milwaukee. Well, here, make the case for Milwaukee. Why are they your number one overall?
1: I have them number one overall. They're the best team in the league right now. Um, In my opinion, Giannis is healthy. Giannis is playing at an MVP level. Um, Yeah, you heard that. So Giannis is playing at an (laughs) MVP level. Uh, And honestly, the thing is, too, this team has been doing this without like contributions from a variety of different players all season. And they're healthy right now. Um, So you're they're in a position where they got Jake Crowder in the trade. Like we haven't really heard much about that, honestly, but Mm -hmm. that should help in the playoffs. And then you have Brooke Lopez, you have Giannis. They can play a variety of different defenses. We know that they can do that in the playoffs. And you have multiple guys that can score off uh, off ball or with the ball and create for themselves. So I have them as the number one team. I think that they're the most versatile, and I think that they're the least likely between them and Boston to fall into that ISO ball trap and uh, just need like and basically just need to run hot. So I, I think that they're the most complete team.
3: Okay, so let me devil's advocate here. I, I, I agree with you, spoiler alert, but devil's advocate. Milwaukee is fourth in that rating right now. They're fourth in SRS at basketball reference. So they are one and one against Boston head-to-head. They're one and two against Philadelphia head-to-head. Shouldn't we have to consider Boston and Philly, who are both ahead in those all those metrics, the head-to-head, the net ratings? Should it matter that Milwaukee's offense hasn't really been that good Or are you saying, yeah, but recently and Middleton being back and all that sort of thing, do those numbers matter for you?
1: I think that Middleton matters. I also think that playoff, there's just a difference in what teams are going to do in the playoffs versus what they're going to do in the regular season. Like Milwaukee is going to just run their drop with Brooke because it's like extremely effective in the regular season. But they can throw so many different looks at you defensively in the playoffs that I think that gives them a little bit of a leg up. And when we look at their comp, how they've played against the top of the league in terms of top 10 and point differential, they're the best team in the East. They're 14 and six plus with 3.4 point differential. So I think that Milwaukee is still the best team with at least, I think in my opinion, the highest floor. Whereas I think that you could run into some issues with Boston with, if they, if the offense kind of starts bogging down or, you know, with Philly, if Embiid or Harden get hurt, which is always, like, a concern because, like, it has to be. Um, I think those are some of the th- concerns that I have with them.
3: Yeah, I think I think those are good concerns. A couple of numbers in Milwaukee's favor, the case for them at number one, which I'll agree, and we'll, we'll put them in there. They are 24-10 and 10 this season against teams over 500. That's the best mark in the league. Obviously, that's who you're playing in the playoffs, so that stuff matters here. And arbitrary cutoff points, I know, but I was kind of playing around NBA stats like, What about since January one, since February one, somewhere in the middle along the way since January 15th. So basically two months of ball Milwaukee since January 15th is 25 and four plus 8.9 net rating, which crushes everyone else in the league, even including Philadelphia as hot as they've been. So yeah, I think the bucks, I mean, look, they're the best record in basketball. They're the best team by all the ratings the last couple of months. They are a champion in recent years with effectively this roster. I think they make a lot of sense in that Alabama position. Number one overall, top left on your bracket. So let's go here then. Boston, Philly, Denver. Those are the three next teams. Let's start with a head-to-head Boston and Philly because we're going to have to make a decision on those two either way. So which do you lean between Boston and Philly and make the case for who would be your, your next between them? Not necessarily number two. We'll get to Denver soon, but Boston or Philly.
1: I think this is a tough, Like I think this was really, really tough. Boston has faltered lately and a lot of it has had to do with their shooting. It's just like not really the same. And they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Like Robert Williams is like in and out of the lineup. Um, You know, Mark Smart's been in and out of the lineup and they've done well. Like they're still gr- a great team. But I think that Philly is like hitting their stride right now in like a meaningful way. And Embiid is making this MVP push, uh, at least in the media. And, you know, I think that it's legit, though. Like it, the performances have been good. He's winning games. Like he's hitting buzzer beaters. He's making big plays at the end of games. And he's turning into somebody that even if Harden's out, you can depend on him for some facilitating and the team is still good. So I like what Philly's kind of bringing to the table right now. The concern is always Doc Rivers, right? But like, and you just don't know like what you're going to get from him. But Embiid is turning into a guy where you're saying like, I know what I'm getting from him every day. So obviously the concerns with some of the free throws are the free throws going to continue in the playoffs because they always seem to kind of swallow the whistle a little bit. But Philly is better right now. And I think if there was, if you're in a series between Boston and Philly and beat is the best player on the floor. So that's, that's something I'm considering there too.
3: Yeah. So I think those are good points. Let, let me give you some key stat nuggets for both these teams. So Boston three point games. So one shot games, which we obviously know are probably mostly coin flip luck. Boston's only five and seven. So not far from coin flip, but they got a lot of those games. They are four and seven and overtime. We're getting a lot of close outcomes here. So not feeling great about that. We know, obviously, I think three of those games came against Cleveland. Boston's one and three against the Cavs this year. They're the one team that Cleveland really—I know—we'll get to them—has beat up on on the high line of seeds. Philadelphia in ten-point games either direction. So in a blowout game, Philadelphia is twenty-five and eight. That is the fewest losses in a blowout by any team in the NBA, and twenty-five wins, I believe, is the second most wins. Philly has won nine of their last 10. They did lose a game now to break that win streak, but nine out of 10 is looking pretty good. I talked about Milwaukee since January 15th. Go back a little further, since December 1, Philadelphia 37-13. and 13, So that is winning 74%, almost three out of every four games, and plus 6.5 net rating. Both of those are best in the league. Here's the one key stat here. We're, we're doing this as the selection committee. Resume matters. We're choosing the resume. All those things. I think I agree. I think Philadelphia is playing better right now, but we're picking the resume. There's the stat that I can't get past. Three times these teams have played each other this season. Three times the Celtics have won. I think for me, head to head, if we're choosing resume, we still have to take Boston over Philly on the basis of the whole season, despite how things look right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of those like it's it's tough because I think the Phillies better, but I think do you think that you're right for whatever reason, Boston's been able to pull off these wins against Philly. Some of them have seemed fluky, like when you watch them, you're just like, how they win, you know? But like that that does matter. So I think I think Philly's better. I think that in the playoffs, um, I, I'm I'm very excited for what is most is realistically probably going to be a Boston Philly series at some point. But I I. I I you know I I think I can give you this one. Uh they still have that one more matchup for the rest of the season, but we don't know what we don't know that at this point in time. So I get that. We've, we you want to consider the head to head when we have them so evenly ranked.
3: Fan duel odds right now for the conference. Because we just talked about the three teams that are the heavy favorites to come out of the East. Right now, a fan duel to win the East, Milwaukee Bucks plus 115, Boston Celtics plus 195. 76ers are plus 480. If you had to bet one team right now to win the East, and it's got to be one of those three, would you who who would you bet? And and will you actually bet one of those three right now?
1: I think you have to bet Philly just based on the number, um, because of what the implied odds there are at plus four eighty. I think that Milwaukee, as the bracket currently sits in the East, has the best whoever's the one seed has the best chance because you avoid having to play both teams twice. Granted, like, you might have to play the Knicks, you might have to play the Cavs, which is just going to be like a grueling series, right? Like, I could, like, that's just going to be a bloodbath if you play one of those teams. But Milwaukee, you have to say that they're going to have the easiest path, they're the one seed, like, they're going to play what, like, the Bulls in the first round, <laughs> like, yeah, Chicago like it, hopes, <laughs> yeah, Chicago hopes they're, they're going to get swept by the Bucks in the first round, like, that is going to be if they play, like, we just know, like if Milwaukee plays chicago in the first round you are just gonna hammer bucks to sweep bucks minus two and a half games like we're, it's we're gonna, gonna bring be... back
3: those grace and allen escalator yeah. bats give me the grace and threes again it, it's
1: it's gonna be crazy yeah maybe jay crowder gets that time this year but like <laughs> we'll see but milwaukee's path as the one seed in the east makes them prohibitive favorites but i just don't think that the plus 115 is worth laying at this point like you could wait and get plus 115 probably the first day of the playoffs and there's just no reason to bet it until even the second round because what if somebody gets hurt like on Milwaukee or like what if what if there's like somebody like there's some weird long series or something like that. Like I don't think it's worth betting them at this point. I I, I would almost just wait and then like whoever they play in the conference championship just like bet that price then because what are you gonna lose? maybe like 30 cents to like minus 115.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I agree that Milwaukee has to be the favorite right now as the one seed with the path and as well as they're playing, but I don't think you can bet it. It's not a bettable number at plus 115. We're still like, we're, we're near the end, but we're still really from the time these really matter in the East, that's May. Like we're a ways out from where we need to see this, this team healthy and, and performing well. Yeah, yeah, there will be other chances. Who knows? You know, maybe maybe the bulls or whoever take a game in the first round and now it's one, one heading back on the road. You probably get a better price then, even though we all know where that series is going to head anyways, or maybe, maybe Milwaukee loses a game, you know, loses one, one against the Knicks or Cavs in the second round, a little more likely perhaps. So I think there'll be a better spot. I agree. If you're picking one right now, I can't believe I have to admit this live on the podcast. I think it has (laughs) to be Philadelphia. I think that's the, the number is begging you to say, hey, the Sixers are the best team by the numbers since December 1st. I know they got to go on the road twice. Maybe they might still pass Boston, but I think the number would beg you to pick Philly of the three. I'm not sure I would play any of them. Let's go Denver then. So how do you do Denver right now, and are they ahead of either or both or neither of these teams in your seating?
1: I've kind of been waffling with this one, right, because, like, the West has been not as good but still more competitive in a way like top to bottom like there's more like middle to the west if that makes sense but i think that denver is in this weird position where they are they've really locked in the one seed they i think that they're just trying a bunch of different rotations but like that starting rotation that they've got is a wagon right and then we know that that's good. That's been the lineup they've been trying to get out there for a, for a while. But the thing is with the seeding, like I would say that they're less likely as a one seed than Milwaukee to get through the West, just based on the fact that the West I think is a bit stronger. Like at the bottom, right? So like that first round matchup might be a little bit more difficult. But I do think that they've just been on cruise control basically for the for the last really for the past couple of months. Like they they're beating whoever they need to beat. Um, and the one concern that I do have is against top 10 teams in the league, they're only 11 and nine. So I think that that's a little bit of a knock on them. I might have, I think I might have to put them at four just based on the fact that even though Jokic might be the best player in the league right now, or like whatever their performance against these like top, top teams has not been as good.
3: Yeah, I agree. I was surprised too looking at the numbers. Obviously, we know they've had this swoon recently. They're three and five in their last eight. Another thing, too, you mentioned against top 10 teams, against just these East top three. So, if we're looking at these four teams for resume purposes, head to head, Denver is only one and three against those teams. So, it's not much. It's not much of a sample, but they lost three out of their four chances against the teams that we're saying are probably the best teams in the league here. So, yeah. Denver is fifth in net rating. It's really good but it's not top 3. We're talking about ranking against the very best here. So, I agree Denver 49 wins in the West. The, to me, that part is the argument for them because Philly's at 49, Boston's at 50. We know there are a lot more easy wins in the East. 49 wins in the West on its own looks a little better, but I think overall the resume doesn't quite measure up and you know, if we're looking at like the 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 selection committee wants teams who are playing well when we get into the tournament. That's just just not Denver right now. Maybe yeah. they're going to flip the switch, but we don't really have a way to know that. And, you know, we're trying to be fair here. So I think I agree, Denver, four, here with you. So let's uh, – do we agree locking in then? We had Milwaukee at the one seed. Do we go Boston, two, Philly, three, Denver, four?
1: Yeah, that's how I have it.
3: Okay. Without getting too far into this, <clears throat> because we've done MVP here and there and everywhere – If we agree that Denver is clearly the fourth best resume of this group and Nikola Jokic no longer has that in his pocket, like he seemed to as recently as like two weeks ago, would have been probably the two seed here if we had done this. Is that really a damaging thing for the MVP case? Is this MVP case really getting away from Jokic? Like we think that Giannis and Embiid's teams are better. So that takes that thing away from him does this sort of th- conversation we're having matter with the MVP race?
1: I mean, maybe like, I-, I think at the end of the day, we'll have a better idea when that next straw poll comes out, because I think at the last one, it was Jokic's by far. And then even the vote- the voters that came in, they were saying that it was a- close, but they still ended up going Jokic, then Giannis, then Embiid. So Embiid has a lot of like backwards resistance, you know, that he's got to overcome, I think. And the question becomes, if people are saying like, well, okay, I can get off of Jokic. Like, I don't want to, maybe we don't want to give him a third one in a row or like whatever, whatever narrative that they are going to come out with. The question then becomes, do those voters that have been traditionally betting on Jokic, do they fall into the like, well, embiid has got the most points per game. He's doing this, he's doing that, like whatever. Or are they going to look at it from maybe a little bit more advanced metric spot and be like, well, Giannis, or like, look at what this team is doing without all of these other players. Granted, Embiid has also missed players, but you can't bet him at the number again. Like, the number doesn't make sense right now, besides the narrative in the media, right? Like, the narrative in the media has swung where you're hearing a lot more about Embiid, Embiid, Embiid. But based on the last straw poll and based on where like the pr- actual production is, I think it's still a fairly open race. But if I had to bet somebody, I'm probably going to bet on Giannis at this point in time. Like if I was going to pivot off of Jokic and I was a traditional Jokic voter, I'm probably pivoting to Giannis, not Embiid, as much as like realistically all three of them deserve it, right? But only one of them can win it.
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting. And for me, I've been on buckets a few times saying I thought this race was totally over. Obviously, that clearly did not not age well for me. There are other mitigating factors we won't get into on it with some of the other discourse conversation. But I think to me, even as the, the staunch Jokic defender, and obviously staunch Jokic defender is kind of an oxymoron, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. But obviously I'm invested here. I had Jokic as my early season pick and and preseason as well. But I think the way the Nuggets have fallen as a team, whether you think it's this whole, they're tanking, to they get out of the MVP race, whatever conspiracy you have, The fact that their resume has dropped behind, not just Giannis, we already knew that, but that it's actually behind Embiid's team too. I think that I, even I, as much as I want all my fancy Vorps and Schwarps and advanced stats, and I want Jokic to be the MVP because I think he is, I think that the resume issue is a real problem for the Jokic candidacy that like, as long as he stays behind that top three, I, I think that that's going to be a real problem and a lot of voters I think might see it the same way. So I do think that the race is certainly at the very least open a few weeks ago when people are saying, Oh, it's close. It's a three-man race in my head. I was like, no, this, this is a one-man race. We're trying to have a conversation. I think it's a three-man race now. I think that actually is a three-man thing. And you know, we've got Monday, we've got yoga, and beat head to head again. I think that game is going to really matter. And I think, that we're going to see which one of these guys wants the MVP and shows up and do their teams show up and that sort of thing. I think people are keyed in on this race, and it may may not be done yet. I think that there's more to be said on it. Do you agree with
1: that? 100%. 100%. I'm excited to see how it unfolds.
3: So the other bet that I want to suggest here is actually what I think is my favorite bet of this podcast, (laughs) and this kind of why I want to do this exercise. At some books, you can bet right now on who will win the finals, not a team, not a division. You can do all those things too, but you can just bet the conference, Joe. And yeah. we have the top three teams on our board in maybe a tier on their own. I actually have the nuggets a little like semi tier below. You even had a three, maybe four. I think they were your, maybe four. Yeah. I think the top three teams are in the East, not just because the West path is hard, but because they are the top three teams I bet this about a month ago, Philadelphia was the underdog. Actually, I got plus money on the East, plus 100, plus 105. I'm seeing more like minus 115, minus 120. I think we are getting some extra juice because of the Suns hype and Kevin Durant, yeah. which obviously the injury now has kind of flipped that a little bit. But I think we've got three teams in the East that are better than anything the West has to offer. And I kind of like all three of those against the team we think is best in the West, head to head, Denver. Should I be betting Eastern Conference to win the whole thing? I think that might be the best way you can make right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely probably the best way that you can kind of bet on this. Although, I guess, realistically, do we think the line come finals time is going to be all that different now? I think it is is because
3: because right now, and again, here's where the win total matters there's a real chance where things are trending that Denver actually finishes behind all three teams in the standings too. So mm-hmm. now you not only, at least before Denver looked like they had the best record and they That's would have home court. court in the finals. Now it looks like they're not going to have home court. So that yeah. has to tilt the standing or tilt the odds a little bit. I think Milwaukee is a clear favorite. I think that Philadelphia would be a clear favorite if especially if they especially dominate if they and then beat yeah. dominates head to head on Monday. Like you did the last time. I think we'd be yeah. hard pressed to say, okay, well let's make the nuggets favored there. And then Boston's yeah, I... been great all year. So uh, I don't know if you're going to get this number. If you wait around and we get a Denver versus one of these three teams. And if it's not yeah. Denver, the number only gets longer unless that's it's true. Unless it's Phoenix cool. and Durant comes back and they're just these juggernauts. Then we yeah. lost some value here, but I think that's the only scenario. Yeah,
1: I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I hate laying any money, like any juice on a future, but I think that you're right, like in terms of the fact that you're really getting the three best teams in the league right now.
2: Yeah, I think so.
3: All right, so to recap, we've got our top four seeds. The number one overall, Milwaukee. Number two, Boston. Three, Philly. Four, Denver. I'm going to go next because I think that we've got a pretty locked in number five here. I actually had four and a five. as a little bit more of a conversation than people would think. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are our five seed. So here's the case. Right now, number one in defense, Cleveland Cavaliers. Number one in net rating for the season, Cleveland Cavaliers. Number one in SRS, Cleveland Cavaliers in 10-point games. Remember, that's the blowout games. The Cavs have 30 blowout wins. That is the most of any NBA team. They are piling up wins and getting big wins that way. They're number one in all the net ratings. By a lot of the numbers, the special advance numbers, they maybe should have been in the conversation with these first four teams. I think by resume, they've got to be ahead of the rest of the teams here. Where do you put the Cavs and, and do you think that they're the five seed here?
1: Yeah, I have, I have the Cavs like in their own tier at the five seed. Um, I don't think that they're as good as any of the four teams that we've talked about before, but I do think that they're at least right now, they're better than Phoenix. They're better than Memphis. They're better than Sacramento. Um, I think that they just kind of are in a brutal, they're in a brutal division. They're in a brutal conference. Realistically but they are one of those teams that like a hundred percent needs to be healthy. If they are not a hundred percent healthy, they're not, they are not nearly as good in terms of like replacing what they have out there. So like some of these teams in terms of their depth, they have guys that can kind of like easily replace guys, like whether it's a shooter or whether it's like an interior guy or, or like whatever, or even like a backup point guard, Cleveland can kind of survive if Mitchell or Garland is out. But for whatever reason, the defense just implodes when they don't have both Mobley and Allen. So that's kind of why I have them a tier lower than these other teams, just because like if something goes sideways for them, I don't think that they could really recuperate in the middle of a round.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I think I have to be careful of the Cavs because they're the exact sort of team that normally would trick someone like me, someone that really loves all my advanced metrics and my net ratings and everything. They are. I'm not going to say they're the Jazz of of recent years because they're obviously a very different team. But the yeah. Jazz are a team where you look at just a couple of these numbers, you're like, oh man, they might be better than people think. We should be picking them. Here's a number that gives me real pause on Cleveland. They are 31 and seven against teams below 500, which is awesome. But they are 15 and 21 against teams above 500. Guess yeah. what? No more 31 and seven opponents left in the playoffs to face. I don't think that that means this team has cheated any numbers or anything like that. I do think it means it's kind of tricking the profile a little bit. In March Madness terms, I know the Cavs are Gonzaga or St. Mary's. Like, they, they play the same schedule. I'm not saying they're in the WCC, but they are beating up on, you know, the Pepperdines of the world. They're thrashing them. And I think, honestly, Joe, I think you, me, Matt, all of us at Buckets, I think we nailed this team. I think we were on them as a regular season, really good profile, but now it's going to be the playoffs and it's going to be a little different. So I think we need to separate those and not get too excited about these, this crazy net rating and all the fancy metrics, because some of the underlying stuff still gives a little bit of problem. I didn't do the math on it, but those 30 blowout games I'm going to guess a huge number of those came against the below 500 teams as well. Yes. They're seven and zero in overtime. So obviously that's a bit fluky as well. I think they've earned this spot here. I think it's also interesting in March madness terms, we're given the Cavs the five seed. Well, John, I have to tell you when you fill out that bracket every year in March, what's the first thing you do? Look at that five seed, 12, five upset, <laughs> right?
1: Up that. Yeah. So I, so I we'll... think
3: that we've set this bracket up perfectly. I think Cleveland has the 12, five, that would be a fascinating thing, but let's lock them in number five, because I think now it gets a little sticky after this. So yeah, for me next, I've got four teams here that I'm kind of considering my next group. And uh, well, let's just be honest for me, at least I'm done with the East for a while. I'm moving out West. I'm going to talk through some of these West mm-hmm. teams you got your Knicks hat on or your your, your Yankees hat, but it's a Knicks hat disguised as a them. baseball hat. <laughs> I know you're going to try to talk me into the Knicks somewhere along the way, but let's go west here. Obviously, setting the stage, we know the teams we are looking at. The yeah. actual real life two and three seed are Memphis and Sacramento, yeah. but there are the Phoenix Suns at number four. We've got the whole, like, the big question for us, Joe, as a selection committee, what do we do with the Suns? What do we do with the team that is entirely theoretical? We've had three Kevin Durant games. We don't even know for sure if we're getting him back in this bracket that we're making or what version or when we're getting him. And then I think too, in this group somewhere we got the Warriors and all of their foibles and their championship resume from last year. Does that matter? And their road record and everything like that. Yeah. To yeah. me, those are the four teams in the yeah. West. We can get to the Knicks in a little bit, but let's stay out West for a little bit. What, What team out of those four for you would you make the case as your next team on the list, your sixth seed here?
1: I've been waffling between the Suns and the Grizzlies here. The Suns are still really good. I'm a little bit surprised. The defense has not been as good, right, without Bridges and Johnson, but Okogi's been like pretty solid as a fill in defender there. So I don't like, I don't hate what they're doing defensively um obviously if you have Devin Booker you have Chris Paul as much as he's like kind of getting washed right now but you have DeAndre Ayton like sure they're all absolutely allergic to contact and they're not going to get any free throws like Monty Williams stop complaining like you guys just don't like they don't do it that's just not their game right but like in the playoffs where they kind of swallow their whistle I think that advantage maybe dissipates for some other teams right and then you have these elite shot makers that can make get, make and get you a bucket like at will in the last 5 minutes of a game so i think that this is one of those like i'd imagine that the that phoenix can win a bit right do i think maybe they can get through round 1 without kevin durant you're not getting through round 2 without kevin durant anymore like i don't i don't think but i but i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be healthy and play in the, like in our tournament.
3: Yeah. It's tricky because we, we, yeah, we assume Durant is playing. I think we all assume that, but just, just look at the resume. The resume is not that exciting here. The, the Suns are ninth in that rating. They're ninth in SRS They're They're right in that, like uh right in that five seed March madness type range, which, which to be fair is about, well, we're looking at them here. They're four and nine and three point games their clutch has disappeared. This was an unbeatable clutch team in recent years. And Chris Paul, pretty much his entire career, they're terrible on the clutch now. And like, I know all the numbers say, yeah, well, we know. Clutch numbers don't care from year to year. Well, Chris Paul is the one guy that hasn't usually applied to. So I think that's interesting. Phoenix is 15 and 22 on the road. And by the way, three of those road wins are with Durant in the only three games he played. So no yeah. Durant games, which we have to factor in as a possibility here. 12-22 and 22 on the road this year outside of those three Durant games. I think it's kind of a sketchy profile. Here's the Memphis profile. 45 wins, 7 wins ahead of Phoenix right now. That is not nothing. They have no. 27 wins by 10 or more points. That is tied for the most in the West. They are 5th or 6th in some of those net SRS, et cetera mm-hmm. I've been talking about. They just went seven and one without John Morant. And we know he's back now, right? We we got to give John Morant a little more credit than we do Kevin Durant because he's not hurt. He's just going to be back now playing. They are 31 and five at home. They're killing teams at home. They're 14 and 22 on the road, basically as bad as the Suns, but they're crushing teams at home. They're crushing a lot of teams outright. The numbers are good. Their profile has been good even without their star player. And he's back now, I think, by resume and not by potential, because we're the selection committee, I think Memphis has to be ahead of Phoenix here.
1: Yeah, I think it's tough. I like. I really want them to have Steven Adams back. And like I know that he gets absolutely nerfed in certain matchups, right? But I think that his presence matters, at least in the Western Conference, where you're going to have to play the Nuggets. And I don't like that they are going to have to run basically Jaron Jackson Jr and Xavier Tillman against Jokic and that's just like that's a problem to me. Um I think that that's one of my concerns with Memphis. Another concern with Memphis is that like you, I know like Matt talks about it a lot but they really do rely on a lot of transition opportunities, right? So you maybe you don't get those the same way in the playoffs. Obviously, Jaron is playing Jaren Jackson Jr is playing on like another planet right now. Um and he's been absolutely incredible. But I just there's something about this team that I just don't buy. And it's like hard to put my finger on it, like exactly what it is that I just don't I don't get that like title contender feel from them. And I think that's part of why I like Phoenix, even though like I don't think they could win. I think the Phoenix is more of a threat to like win a title than Memphis is.
3: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, in the real bracket that we're looking at, Phoenix is very likely going to be in that four or five game. And now you got to play yeah. Denver in round two versus Memphis's bracket is the open half of the bracket. I think doing this exercise has made me reevaluate how I'm thinking of that a little bit because I've basically been looking at, like, you and I both bet Oklahoma City 500 to one to win the West yesterday yeah. on FanDuel. The number's down a little bit now, but there's still some wild numbers out there. Effectively, we're looking at, who can we get? Who's the long shot we can get in the Memphis Sacramento half of the bracket? Because, who oh boy does that thing look open? You just get somebody into the Western Conference finals and they're a huge dog, but now we have a huge hedge opportunity. Certainly, yeah. if we have a 500 <laughs> to one, we do. Oh, yeah. Reevaluating kind of through this, this process here, I wonder if it's just Occam's Razor. If it's just the most obvious answer, is it just the Grizzlies? Are the Grizzlies just the team on that half of the bracket against the flawed competition they're probably going to face? the Grizzlies of the world, the Clippers, Wolves, Thunder, whoever, maybe the Kings? Is it just the Grizzlies? They've proven now two years in a row they're the two seed. They've stuck there all the way through. They missed Jaw for big stretches both seasons. They're better without him, win-loss record. I don't understand yeah. what's happening with it, but they've done it. <laughs> they just keep winning games. And I know, like, I, I agree. Get them into the Western Finals against Denver Phoenix. I don't love it. Get them into no. the NBA Finals. Oh, boy, I don't love it. Definitely but not. Yeah. Is, it just, is it just Memphis? Is it just going to be Memphis in the Western Finals? I'm starting to wonder that and look at maybe that's just the right way to bet this. Do you think yeah. just in their half of the bracket, are they a real threat?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you obviously have to consider them as a real threat. Like we know the offense works. Like we know that it works in the playoffs. We know that they are willing coaching wise to bench guys when it doesn't work, which I think is important. Um, like how last season when we hammered that Steven Adams rebounding under, we knew that like, that we like saw it coming. It was like, Oh, he's out of the rotation. Like this is done. Those minutes did not work. And Jenkins is willing to do that. We have to see if some of these other teams will do that, or if they're just going to stick their guns being like, this will got us here. Or like, we don't really have a pivot. Right. So maybe you're, maybe you're right. Like in this style of like tournament you know, Memphis has some more answers than we maybe think they do. But there's, I think there's a certain point where their personnel just can't contend with what's coming out of the East.
3: Yeah. I think that that's fair. I, I think you definitely don't want to bet title odds for the Grizzlies. I think you could talk yourself into Western odds, but looking at the odds at FanDuel right now, plus four fifty, the Grizzlies are still the third team behind the Nuggets and Suns. I don't think there's a lot of juice to that number to, to make it worth no. even the case where, we're making the case. I'm making the case for them uh, as the kind of semi underdog surprise team. The Kings, who are the three seed, are plus twenty one hundred. I think I'm making the case for Grizzlies as though they're getting a number in that range at plus yeah. four fifty. I don't think that we're getting treated that way, so that's just probably not that enticing. So, no, so
1: like I, I think we we kind of are like waffling on it, I guess, but like. I could see why I think if we're, if we're going to be consistent with how we've done the rankings before, like how we did Celtics over Sixers, I think you kind of have to consider the Grizzlies over the Suns, but then uh, so then that would be six and seven, but like for eight, I think that eight has to go to the Kings. The Kings offense has been incredible on the season. We'll see if it translates to the playoffs. You know, they're still relying on like decently heavy minutes from a rookie uh, in Keegan Murray um, for certain production. Right. But I think that they're really they're really good top to bottom. They, they nobody can stop that offense. So it's just going to come down to the fact like, will teams change enough defensively to stop them? And if they do, like, how much can they slow them down? And if they do make modifications defensively, that's still that's still they're still going to be tough. So like, I just, I like them for their upside offensively, and it's just going to put a lot of pressure on opposing teams to just like. Kind of keep up with them so i had the kings like pretty firmly at eight
3: yeah i think i think you're right about the kings as far as resumes here their eighth and net rating one thing about the kings too of all teams in the west where nobody can win on the road the kings are 22 and 14 on the road they're the one team that actually is just like nah screw it we don't care i don't care where we're playing tonight go ahead count us out we're gonna go win anyways we'll light the beam anywhere you want us to no other west team is more than one game above 500. They're 22 and 14. That's real. So I actually think consistency-wise in my rankings as the committee, I have the Kings ahead of the Suns. But I'm going to concede this one because obviously the Suns are very... Obviously, we agree the Suns have much better potential here. Just if if I was being the nefarious seating committee here, we know, of course, the seating committee never would choose matchups and never would think ahead, right? (laughs) So I would make the case for Sacramento to be the seven seed, because then I can get a Phoenix eight seed and gosh, who else could I put in that? I don't really know if they're good either, but it would be interesting. Good first round. Oh, let's put in golden state. Give me a Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, first round series. And then God help the poor Bucks, the one seed who get the reward of facing the winner <laughs> of Suns warriors in the second round. I yeah. just, I, if I was the committee, if I was just making a bracket, putting stuff together randomly, I think I'd have a little fun with that but we'll, we'll we'll pencil in here Memphis at 6, Phoenix at 7 and the Sacramento at 8. Are you good with that?
1: Yeah, I'm good with that. I think right, this so- is probably where, this is probably where we might disagree because <laughs> I I okay. put the I put the New York Knicks at 9. Okay, make the case. So I think that they're see what they've done over the course of the season. Obviously like any Tibbs coach team, you have to take the regular season, like with a little bit of a grain of salt, right? Because he plays a starter so many minutes. Those are usually minutes that then like they can't add to in the playoffs. There's only so many more minutes they can play. Right. So, but the thing with this Knicks team is I think that they're actually a bit better because they do have Brunson. They have a real point guard. And even if Brunson who just popped on the injury report for, Thursday night. Um, So we, we're not sure what that injury is right now at the time that we're recording this. Right. But even if he's out, we've seen that quickly can slide in and play that point guard role. And it's been, the minutes have been good with him as the point guard. So I think the Knicks depth in terms of their versatility, I think is strong right now, which is something they didn't necessarily have before. Um, The acquisition of Josh Hart, great, great move quickly off the bench has been incredible. Um, you know, Hartenstein's played very, very well. He started off the season a little slow, but the minutes and the numbers are great. Right. So you have a lot of versatility in their rotations. You have a lot of guys that can plug and play for somebody else. And I don't think that the drop-off is like super significant. The other thing is what I like about this team, they actually can play some defense with when you have quickly out there, you have Grimes out there, you have Mitchell Robinson, Hartenstein, right? Like they're doing something. And you do have guys that are going out there playing every day. Um, And I think that at this point, what they've put forward is significant enough that they deserve more of the benefit of the doubt, like in the terms of what they've been able to do over the course of the season. So while other teams might have a higher ceiling, I think that you have to include them here at this point where everybody else after this, I think is a lot of potential and not so much what they've done so far.
3: Okay, so I was going to make a case for the Warriors here. So the, the case for the Warriors, we don't have to make the case too much. Like, we, we know yeah. what the case is for the Warriors. They're defending champions, It's not this team. We don't know if we're getting Wiggins back in this scenario. I think that would be pretty important. That might be the yeah. nicest thing I've ever said about Andrew Wiggins on this podcast. <laughs> Obviously, the Warriors are 9-29 and on the road, though. There's two wins in a row now. Second two-win True. winning streak of the season on the road for the Warriors. 29-7 at home. Every number we have for them just says they're a 500 team. They're fine. Yeah, They're just a fine team. So I think the way that we've argued this so far and argued for resume, I'm going to concede this one. I'm going to give you the Knicks as the nine seed if you give me the Warriors of the 10 seed because yeah. nefarious seed committee Brandon noticed that the 10 seed Warriors get to face the seven seed Suns. We got to yep. match up after all, Joe.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So you get the Knicks and the Kings, two, two teams we are just like, well, I don't know. Like, are they good? Are they not good? Like, we'll see. Right? Uh, and then you get the Suns and the Warriors. So I, I like those two spots. I like it. And fun. Suns
3: Warriors, by the way, winner gets the Boston Celtics. So Merry Christmas, yes. Boston fans. Congratulations. Great,
1: great matchup there. I'm curious to see who you have at 11 because I think we're starting to get to that point where we're just like,
3: eh, like, yeah. like whatever. <laughs> I, I agree. So here's what I want to do for this next little bit because I have this next kind of – I think we have a similar tier-ish of teams we're yeah. we're getting a little long here. So let's kind of just draft a little bit. Well, let's go. I'm just going to pick the 11 seed here from the teams left. Okay. And uh, I'm looking at like Minnesota, Lakers, Mavs. I think are the three teams I'm I'm considering most here. And look, we're the selection committee. Do I think this team has earned the next seed up from the group? No, not really. But I want to give them a chance. I want their I want them on TV. I want their eyeballs, I want their money. I'm getting healthy. We just got the report today. LeBron hopes he's back. He's gonna play the last hopefully three or four games of the season. Yeah. The seeding committee has to take this stuff into into account. I gotta go Lakers. Give me the Lakers as our 11 seed.
1: Yeah, I'm there too. I think their ceiling is higher than the rest of these teams that are on this part of the bracket, in my opinion. Um, my my 12 seed. I think this team is like just so overrated, but I, I'm putting the Miami heat at 12. Wow. Because, yeah. And it's a lot of it's because of what you have with Jimmy, bam, hero. Right. And the fact that like in the playoffs, Jimmy actually plays like 45 minutes a game, which instead of like 30. So the the upside for what you can get out of that team is significant. And I think that you have to take into consideration at this point with these teams the coaching and i think that spolstra is arguably the best coach like he's one of the best coaches in the league but i think he's like yep. definitely probably the best coach at this part of the bracket so i could see them cooking something up like they remind me you know what miami reminds me of they remind me of syracuse just throwing fucking zone out there Ooh, at I the like 11th. That. that's like what this reminds me of And that's why I went with Miami here. And like, this is like the, this reminds me of that Syracuse run the other year where they were what an 11 seed. And then they just went to the final four because they just played zone and nobody could figure it out. So I'm giving them the edge based on coaching and the fact that like, you actually will get significantly more minutes from their best players, which is something that some of these other teams can't really say that they can do.
3: Yeah, this is interesting because in March Madness terms, you just made Miami the, the team where I wanted to bet on them as my sleeper. And then they come out a little higher seeded than you think. You're like, ah, Doggone, yeah. what is this bracket now? Like, yeah. I was kind of hoping Miami would get to be like a 15 seed and I'd get to try to talk us into an upset or something. I, yeah. On resume, I had them a couple spots below some of these West teams here, but I liked them. So maybe I just should have ranked them here anyway. They're 14 and eight in three point games which, first of all, that's a good record. Second, 22 times they've played a one-bucket game. That's a lot of games. Like That's crazy. And we know Jimmy Bucket's going to show up in those spots in the playoffs. And the Heat are one of only four teams in the East that has a winning record against teams above 500. It's just those top three in the Heat. And they're 7-3, their last 10. So I think this is a team that two weeks from now, when the actual committee meets to choose the actual playoffs, Joe, if they keep trending this direction, they might be a team where someone on the committee is going to be like, hey, aren't the Heat just the fourth team in the East? Aren't they the team yeah, that we really should be thinking about there? So we put them here as the 12 seed. They get Cavs first round and then Denver second round. I think perfect. Miami is like, the exactly... trendy final four pick in our little bracket. They're the yeah. sleeper that a lot of people are going to like, right? Yeah, 100%.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
3: I really, I mentioned Dallas and Minnesota. I don't care. <laughs> like I I don't. I have no idea. I, uh, look, I, I need to redeem some of my Timberwolves fandom. So I'm just going to go with the Timberwolves. Cat is back and the Timberwolves are unbeaten in his return. The winning free throws, Trey Young <laughs> flopped a billion times. Minnesota unstoppable. I, I don't think the profile is that great, but Dallas does not excite me. Like Dallas, I think has to be in our little tournament. But nothing about their stats. Like I literally wrote nothing about them. I have no numbers for Dallas. So just give me Minnesota. They're our 13th seed.
1: Yeah. I have um I have Dallas next. And it's basically just you have Luca and Kyrie. And like, yep, yep, (laughs) that's it. That's the cap. That's the cap. Like they 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 can score on anybody. So they're they're my 14th seed.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that that's pretty much it. That's what we've got to say about Minnesota and Dallas. Enjoy your analysis there. So that's our 13 of 14. Okay. There are no plans here. So we're down to two spots left, Joe. We have so far had one, two, three, four, five, six teams from the East, eight teams from the West. So let me set us up here. We got two spots left. We're not going to draft these. Well, we'll kind of talk these through again because I think we're back to actually carrying a little bit here. So yeah. notably, a team we have not put in our bracket yet, the Los Angeles Clippers. Paul George had that injury. We're, we're at the will reevaluate in two to three weeks spot, which we are often interpret as back in two to three weeks, but it does not usually mean that. And it's like, no. oh, well, he'll be back by the playoffs. Well, guess what? What if they're not in the playoffs? We might need him yeah. back by the play in. And that's about right at that two to three weeks mark. So Joe, we got to take that into account as the committee. We don't know if we're getting Paul George in our bracket. So that's one team. And then beyond that, we've not mentioned the Brooklyn Nets. the six seed currently in the postseason the playoffs not just the postseason they're safely in they're in they're not in our bracket yet and then we got the rest of those west teams i was gonna say with all due respect i don't think the East teams even are due any respect so sorry to hawks bulls etc i didn't consider them out west we've got the thunder our thunder our precious thunder we got jazz pelicans whoever else out there we have two spots left joe so let me set up uh, well who stands out from that group? I've got some numbers here for some of those teams. Who stands out think, as your 15th seed that's got to be on here?
1: I think OKC has to be in. Like, you have two of two have some like very good, like young stars in Shea, uh, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams. Like, you like they're good and they are 12th in adjusted net rating on the course of the season. I like. I think of them. I think that they should be the 15 seed. But I think that if we were doing these brackets, they would be the 16 seed, just based on the fact that, like, yeah, like they they don't belong here, right? Right. Uh, like you know, like they they don't have that expectation, like whatever. But like right now, they're on the cusp of making the playoffs outright, right? So you can get that. It's about like plus 142. It was actually like plus 340 a couple of days ago. So yeah. this line has moved significantly, and. I think the bet, if you're going to bet on them, the bet is on Shea to be the most improved player because there's no, like, it's all narrative, but like movement on these lines and liabilities and like whatever. Right. So to me, Laurie and the Jazz are done. Like they're cooked. They're out of this right now. Like they're not, they might not even make the play in at this point. Um, and in the meantime, you're looking at OKC. Your Shay was the consensus favorite basically the entire season, and then all of a sudden over the past like a couple of weeks, it's like oh like we're gonna flip this one, like whatever. It's like why? The Thunder are better. They're putting together like really good stretches of ball here. Like I I think OKC is the team that I need to have in there.
3: I, I fully agree with everything you just said. I agree that OKC has to be in our bracket. I agree they're the 16 seed. Our committee's gonna put them as 16. They just feel like the Cinderella 16 seed, sure. right? Like. Yeah. They got to be there, even though we probably put them higher than the other teams left. OKC has won eight of their last 10 games. I told you about some of those uh, weird endpoint net ratings. Since the start of the calendar year, Joe, January 1, Oklahoma City is fifth in the NBA in net rating. They're plus four and a half points. That is a team that basically equals out to like Denver for the whole season.
1: They're legit, it's, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's it's legitimately a good team. OKC has to be in and I know we're going to leave out some big markets here and and maybe that means that our committee in real life wouldn't do it they'd probably like create the playing game and put OKC into that here we're putting them in they are 16 seed and I agree also you said with most improved Shea Gilch-Alexander at Fanduel right now plus 380 Lowry is minus 450 minus 450 is preposterous to me I don't understand it I don't even think we need to talk about the Jazz here. I I don't think they're in our group of teams we're considering.
1: I don't have them even close, honestly. Yeah, they're they're
3: not in the mix, really. I gave them a courtesy mention, and that's about it. And I think as close... I think we're looking at Shea and Lowry this way. Well, they're both all-NBA-type guys now. They're both all-stars now. But which one improved more? Well, that's got to be Lowry. It wasn't Shea already really good, but Lowry improved more. So I think that's why we're trending that direction, but... If suddenly OKC is the sixth seed or the seventh seed and this hot team entering the playoffs in a real threat and the Jazz are an afterthought over this final three weeks, I think that absolutely is a factor. Voter history says that yeah. is a factor. We choose a player from a playoff team. So I think that's a bet that you make. And, and I don't know how, like, at a certain point, too, you're playing
1: on a team that just is garbage. Like, there's nobody else on the team. So, like, the we know that Shea's usage is like significant and Laurie's usage rate, like literally doubled over the, over the course of like last year to this season. But I don't know how you don't take into consideration the fact that like, he just has to score. Like he's option one a, and like he's never even been close to an option one a, Whereas Shea has basically always been option one A for the Oklahoma City Thunder for the past couple of seasons, right? And like he's still taking that leap and teams are game planning around him. Like nobody's like maybe now teams game plan around Laurie, but at the same time, like not really. You're not worried about losing to the Jazz. Like that's not a that's not really a tough spot. So I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted on this last team. Yeah. So,
3: because... so let me make the case here. We got we've got. I think probably two, but I'm going to include a third one real quick, and we'll wrap up here. So I think the third team is the Pelicans. Early season, they would have been in this mix, and maybe if you're the committee, you say, well, what if they get back to that early mode? What if Zion comes back? They have the fourth most fourth most 10-point wins in the West. They're still 11th in net rating overall for the season. There's still six among the West teams in that. So I think the Pels probably should get a little more consideration, but if I'm being honest, they didn't really get a lot from me, and we don't know what they are. We actually get. I think what's left here is two teams that have weirdly similar profiles, and then I think given that, it makes the pick kind of easy. So it's the Clippers and Nets to me. Yeah. Here's the numbers: above 500, below 500. The Clippers against teams above 500, the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi and PG are 11 and 25 against teams above 500. That's a big problem for me. The Nets are 13 and 21 against teams above 500. And don't forget they had a lot of good stars for a bunch of those games below 500 flippers 27 and 10 nets 26 and 12 that's why they're in the race where they're at but i think it's a problem that against teams we actually would need them to play they're gonna get mostly blown out here's the difference since february 1st the nets are minus 5.6 net rating which is 26th, and i don't need to tell you who the four teams below them are because we know that they're trying to lose yeah. games so that yeah. means that Since the start of February, the Nets are the worst team in the NBA. There ain't no PG coming back for them. There's no Kawhi Leonard who might make a run. There's no cavalcade coming. The Clippers, maybe. Maybe they get PG. We know that Kawhi probably maybe should play at least some of the non-back-to-backs, whatever. (laughs) I think the profiles are essentially the same, but you pick the stars. I think the Clippers get our last spot.
1: Yeah, I I was in the same boat. Like I don't see any way that you can leave them out, at least – just even looking at who the best player is on all of these teams that's left and it's Kawhi by like a pretty wide margin. And then if, you know, if you get Paul George back, Norman Powell back, I'm okay with having them as like a 15, 16 seed here and just, you know, riding out with that. And, and Brooklyn, like you said, their win profile is dramatically different. Like they're 11th in adjusted net on the season, but that doesn't count into the fact that, you know, they don't have any of those players anymore. So I, I, I think this is a pretty good bracket right now.
3: I think that's the bracket. So my my best bet from all this bracket shenanigans is back to that one we talked about earlier. Give me the East versus West in in the championship. Give me that minus 115. Look, we just put in 10 of our 16 teams in our bracket are from the West. So we have the top three teams in the East and we have very little competition standing in their way. We have this condensed mess of West teams. I think that's the bet right now. Just back the East team. Just running down the bracket real quick. We'll go by quadrant. Top left quadrant in your bracket. We got the number one overall Milwaukee Bucks facing our Cinderella, OKC Thunder, and then Sacramento in the Knicks. That is a fun region. We're, we're definitely putting all those games on TV. Bottom oh, yeah. left bracket, the four seed Nuggets face the Timberwolves. That's an interesting one. I think that's a fun one. And then we got Cavs Heat. Boy, that one looks like the one where you pick your sleeper Final Four team yeah. and see, yeah. see who's coming out there. We got the, the group of death if we're doing soccer here. The two-seed Celtics draw the Clippers in the first round and then get the winner of Suns Warriors in round two. So, Joe, we did not make a lot of Boston friends with our bracket. No, we did here. not. <laughs> <laughs> and then last one, Philadelphia got the three-seed. Funny, Philadelphia lost our head-to-head tiebreaker and dropped in the seeding and I think got a gift from us here. They get Dallas <laughs> in round one, and then uh. Memphis Lakers is the 6'11". I think yeah. we might be getting a little Embiid versus LeBron and Davis action in the second oh, round if things that's shape fun. up that way. Yeah,
1: that's fun. No, <laughs> so that's our
3: bracket. I'll, I'll try to maybe see if we can put this up on Twitter when we post this and see see what the folks think. We're out of time to go through and and post our picks. But we'll we'll kind of maybe do that on Twitter so you can see on social. That's our bracket. That's our job. We did the we did the thing, Joe. We got our bracket. We're going to determine a champion now. That's our podcast for today. Got some bets for you along the way there. Shea for most improved. We talked MVP race. We got that East versus West. So that's it. We will be back next week with all the usual episodes. Joe is going to keep giving out those winning prop picks and game by games. I'll be on here to talk all the big picture stuff Fridays. We are like two, three weeks from play-ins, playoffs. It's all coming, Joe. Future's Friday. That's a wrap. Let's give buckets.